Hello and welcome to the No BS Approach to Motherhood podcast, hosted by Catherine Hay and Shelley McKenzie. We are both mothers and clinical nutritionists who specialize in women's health. We are here to not only bring you the most up-to-date nutritional and health advice when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and children's nutrition, but our main goal is to break through the BS that can come with motherhood. No topic is off limits, so grab a cuppa or a glass of wine and join us for another raw and real conversation surrounding motherhood. Hi, Ange. Welcome to the podcast. We are super stoked to have you here. Why don't you kick us off with who you are and, yeah, what you're about? Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys, I feel like I know you both because I listened to you through my pregnancy (laughs) as well. So it was an awesome support for me. I loved just like hearing other people's stories and things like that. So yeah, it's awesome to be on here. Um, Yeah, my name is Angela. I am an osteopath. I've been an osteo for about 15 years now. And I have spent almost all that time just treating all kinds of patients and women pre and postnatal as well. And as I was treating as well, I moved more into how movement can support us and more into like preventative health. I think probably from overcoming my own sort of health things that were going on, which made me more curious in how to help things uh, before they evolved and kind of more into preventative health, really, and learning the best way to move our bodies. So I studied Pilates and yoga and natural movement and strength and mobility. And that led me to uh, create the A-Life, which was a movement studio in Carlton North uh, in Melbourne. And yeah, we ran that for about five years. And over COVID, we ended up um, going online and teaching strength and mobility online, which I guess most places did. And it just really took off. And so we sold our business. And now my husband and I, we, um, yeah, we now teach a movement online, which has been amazing because we're both working from home or we can work anywhere, which I guess really kind of opened my mind up to be able to have a baby and you know be with our baby which is really something that was important in our work-life balance um to structure our family and things like that so yeah so I um so we sold the business we ran online and yeah a couple of a year ago um I first fell pregnant and um that sort of led me to really start researching a little more and like what's out there for movement and prenatal and, you know, moving in our pregnancy. And to be honest, I was really um, underwhelmed by what I found. I, I found a lot of kind of exercise programs that just had pregnancy safe modifications, you know, like don't iron your belly, don't do an ab crunch and that kind of thing. And that was really it. And so that sort of led me down a whole um, pathway of um, what can we do to move our body specifically for um, to support us in pregnancy and also to support us in um, labor and postpartum as well. Incredible. And it's so needed because like you said, adaptations are one thing, but we want to know, okay, what's going to support our bodies, our mind, our breathing, all those beautiful holistic aspects. And I guess that's what you do in osteo as well. It's not just one part, it's all the parts 
join together. So, Ange, tell us about your pregnancy, fill us in about your birth, and then I guess how you birthed your new programs and what that all looks like as well. Yeah. So when I, um, yeah, once we went online and I sold, uh, we sold our business, I fell pregnant pretty much straight away. And I actually, that's when I started doing my research around it, but I actually had a miscarriage at around, yeah, around 10 to 12 weeks. And that was an interesting experience too, because I, I think I, like, I felt like I was peak health and peak body. There was a bit of an ego hit for me being like, I've done all the right things. What What's happened? Um, which I probably needed. I probably, because, you know, in birth and labor, you need that element of surrender. You guys would know that. And so it was, yeah, it was sort of a, a bit of a hit of just trust the timing, trust where you're at. And that gave me a little extra time to really start. I then started moving for pregnancy then knowing that we were going to try again. And, um, yeah, once I felt healed from, from that, I, we tried again and, um, yeah, first, our first month we fell pregnant again, um, which was amazing. And funny, if you'd asked me like probably three, few years ago, I was really scared of birth. Like I had this image of myself, like hyperventilating and, and like feeling like I had lost control of birth. So I was very much yeah, in the Hollywood movie perception of birth. And it took me a, a little while. I've watched some documentaries, I've read some books, and I started realizing that I actually, for me, wanted a physiological birth as much as I could possibly um, do for myself. I wanted a home birth. Um, actually, Shelly, I remember, I think it might have been your second. I remember hearing you had a home birth, and I was like, home birth? What's home birth? And I did a little bit more research and yeah, for me, that was to have an unmedicated birth was just a goal. It's just something that I really wanted to achieve and try my best to achieve. So that's when, um, yeah, I, I started figuring out what do I need to learn and educate myself and prepare my mind and body in order to, to do that. Um, my first trimester, I, was sick a lot of the days and tired a lot of the days. And so I really uh, didn't push myself and just did what I could on the days that I had energy in terms of my movement practice. Um, but nothing much really changed. I was already very active. And so I would just do my normal exercise on the days that I felt um, all right. And But on the days that I felt tired, I just prioritized that and eating and things like simple things like that um and then in my second trimester obviously then the bump grows a bit more and we've got more compensations happening in our body relaxing and things that we have to um yeah manage a little bit more so I found managing uh the pressure uh, in my core was a really big thing like I started to drop some of those exercises that were very core intensive um, and then obviously to accommodate for the bump and my center of gravity, I focus more on strength and conditioning in my posterior chain, um, started to do more, um, yeah, dynamic exercises that were stabilizing for my pelvis as well, um, to help support my pelvic girdle and things like that. Um, but second trimester, I felt really good. And then third trimester, I guess I started to really think about my birth and labor and how, what movements I could do 
to help support because I, you know, as an osteo and as a movement teacher, I always knew that, you know, what we practice is what our nervous system feels safest doing. So, you know, every night I'd do exercise on my birth ball because I knew I wanted to use that in my labor so that it was really familiar for me. I would get Marty to do things with me. So when we did them in the in labor, it wasn't this like uh, uh, awkward foreign thing for us to practice. Um, so that was really good. And then just focusing on also pelvic floor relaxation because a lot of us go into, women go into pregnancy with tight pelvic floors, you know, sucking in our stomach. And, you know, I was very guilty of that from Pilates, like draw it all in. But that can really become problematic in pregnancy if we don't know how to let go. So I was seeing a pelvic floor osteopath as well um, to help support um, me there and doing some internal release work. Um, but yeah, just practicing a lot of breathing, relaxation works and yoga, starting to slow it down in my third trimester. Um, yeah, and then I got to, I think, 39 and 4 days um and I can remember yeah I oh we actually I actually just finished all my work uh, I think we had a mastermind call that we were running and what should I said I bet you as soon as I finish this she's gonna she's gonna come <laughs> as soon as I finish up and then literally that night we went out for dinner and I had some pasta and I said to Marty I'm like I feel like I'm carb loading for a marathon or something <laughs> And I, like I just had this, I remember doing cross country when I was younger and like doing a big pasta night before the cross country or something. But I swear, I feel like that fueled me for the next three days. Um, and, you know, I really see like birth as and labor as like, this is you and your peak performance. You know, this is a huge physical task. And that's why I prepared so much for it because that's, yeah, I really took it seriously. And yeah, and so that night, I think I started to lose my mucus plug. I just noticed a little bit of mucus. I was like, okay, things are starting to happen. But I do remember my midwife telling me, you know, ignore it until you can't possibly ignore it anymore. So um, yeah, I just went through the night, didn't sleep too much. Um, the next day, went for some really gentle walks and um what else did we do? We did some baking and things like that. I prepared, I got some crumpets for my, uh, on the other side. Cause I said, Oh, when I finish, I want some crumpets and honey. That's the one thing I'm going to visualize myself on a bed with my baby, having someone delivering me crumpets. <laughs> so I went and bought them. <laughs> I, I, think that. That was, I think that was my kinesiologist who told me that she's like, visualize something when it's all finished, what do you want to do on your, so that, that was it. Um, and yeah, and then I got to the, the Friday night and things started to pick up a bit more. And I had a little, um, a little moment. We had a, we had a room with my birth pool in it and I just I'd put up all my fairy lights and photos of Martin and I on the walls to try and help that oxytocin, the wedding photos and things like that. And I just had a moment in there, um, just talking to my baby. I, jumped in the pool wasn't even full and just visualized the event I guess and um just it was kind of the quiet before the storm I guess just a really nice moment um and then yeah contractions did start to uh get more and more intense I guess I was being a first-time mom 
I feel like I was very naive to the intensity of the of how it was going to be because Marty like rang the midwife and she listened to me and she was like I thought yeah a few hours this is intense I'm I'm gonna pop any just in an hour or so and she's like no it needs to get like probably a thousand times more intense I was like oh god <laughs> okay so I said to Marty I was like you go sleep um I've got, you know, I'm fine. I can just move around. I had all my stations set up. I had a birth sling on the door. I had my birth ball, the shower, and I was just kind of moving from one thing to the other as I felt I needed. Had a TENS machine that really helps with early labor and a comb to squeeze. <laughs> and yeah, and then I think I got to about 3 a.m. in the morning and I think Marty was sleeping on the bed and I was, by then feeling a little bit like, okay, I need support now. I was just crying and I was like, why are you sleeping still? And he just like popped up within like a second and like got himself awake. And yeah, he um, started to help me. I just, I had a lot of um, sacrum pain, like kind of the strong sensation in my sacrum. So he would be squeezing my hips every time I needed him. Um, and then, um, yeah, he recorded my contractions to the midwife and she was like, all right, right, I'm on my way. And yeah, by the time my midwife came, uh, I was feeling like I was right in it <laughs> and just moving through it and moving as I needed. Most of my contractions, I was on all fours. I found that kind of the best position. I also had the my birth sling and I was in a deep squat. Um, and I think that was one of the other things that I really worked on before was understanding that as the different stages of labor, um, that our pelvis needs to move in different positions. So, you know, in that early stage, um, we need to open up the top of the pelvis. So all that kind of external rotation and extension work um, is really good. But as you open the top, you close the bottom of the pelvis. So that also moving through um, different positions as I'm as I move through my labor and now looking back on it as well I can really see how I instinctively did this without even thinking so things kind of were going going along mid-morning and I started going up and down the stairs a few and now I can see that's probably when she was in mid-pelvis because when at mid-pelvis a lot of that asymmetrical work can be really helpful to help get the baby down the pelvis. Um, so I found it really helpful to just put one leg up on a stair and then doing the other leg and just doing these like asymmetrical positions through the contractions. Um, because, yeah, I think if we're unable to access these movements, what I feel is we're probably more predisposed. And that's probably the bit that I felt like I was in was a bit of a labor stall in that sort of mid pelvis. And so I really found doing those, I was on my side for one point um, and kind of rolling forward and back. And once I had done that for about, I would say about 20 minutes, things just really ramped up. And that's when we were like, okay, I'm going to go into the pool. Um, and as soon as I got into the birth pool, um, yeah, I, that's, I think at that point, my mantra was, I can do anything for a minute. I can do anything for a minute. But then by the time I got to there, I was like, I don't know how many minutes I can do. And I was like, and I knew it's so funny that I knew that crisis of confidence was coming and I knew all about it. But 
it still got me, still got me really good. <laughs> and I just really doubted myself in those moments. But um, that next contraction in the water, uh, my body just pushed. It was just, this, I was like screaming and I was like, I didn't do that. My body just pressed down. Um, I guess I experienced the fetal ejection reflex, which was another thing that I knew about before. And going into, especially in my third trimester, I I actually did practice, um, and this is fitting because that's obviously also when I did poop in the pool, which was just lovely. I could see my partner like with a little scoop on. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm oh. sorry. He's, he's the one that got it out. <laughs> but, nice. <laughs> um, in, but in that third trimester, I really did practice knowing that your pelvic floor goes all the way through to your coccyx, um, the fecal ejection reflex so practicing breathing my poop out during when I was in pregnancy um you know first making sure that I was in an optimal position so using a stool on the toilet with my knees elevated and just practicing breathing and I actually found at the start I was like I can't this is weird like I'm so used to not doing this but it actually got better and I feel like in this moment this is when it really came in handy um, because I was just, I, my waters hadn't broken yet. And so um, I just felt this like immense amount of pressure from the sack and I was trying to like slow it down. I was trying to really breathe and relax my jaw. And part of the reason why that fecal, like pooing, breathing your poo out is also useful is because you can relax your jaw. And when we relax our jaw, we relax our TMJ and all those muscles around, we also relax our poetic floor. There's a really strong fascial connection between the two. So I was able to, because I had practiced it, I was able to breathe really slow and slow things down in that moment. And I didn't really know what was going on in that moment, but my midwife said, put your hand down and um, put your hand on her head. And I was like, what? And I sort of put my hand down and I could feel her sort of hair just like floating in the water. And I was almost like pressing her head because I was like, slow down, I'm not ready. And I was just trying to really breathe through that part. Um, and then it was almost a relief because it was a different type of intensity than what I'd experienced all those hours before. Um, and this is about midday on the Saturday. And yeah, there was just this kind of dead quiet moment where my midwife said, okay, on the next contraction, Marty, the baby comes out behind, you're going to catch her or and if she comes out forward, you're going to bring your baby up, just check for the cord. So I was just like, okay, all right, if you say so, I'm just, I don't know what was happening. And then, yeah, she just bloop, flew out on it. I didn't even do anything. It was just the weirdest thing. Um, and she was just floating in the water. I was able to take her cord out from her shoulder. It was just wrapped around her shoulder and bring her up. Um, she did have a really short cord. So it was a little bit awkward in the pool because I had to hold her quite low. Um, and yeah, I had one of the things that came on my 20 week scan was I had a marginal cord insertion, which just meant that the cord was not in the center of the placenta, but generally you don't want to make sure you pull on the placenta when, um, when that to birth the placenta. So I was holding her quite low and just making sure we weren't pulling on it. Um, but yeah, we just, she wasn't crying. She was just peaceful and 
full of color and took her about a minute or two to let out a little cry. And yeah, it was amazing and just miracle incredible. <laughs> and yeah, and then I, I can remember saying like, that's not over until the placenta is born, everyone. So no one turn the lights on or no one get any adrenaline going after that. So because I just really just wanted the whole thing <laughs> wrapped up. But this placenta took a really long time. Um, so I got out of the pool kind of holding her and I lay on the bed for a while, just waiting for these contractions to happen for the placenta. Nothing happened. Then I went onto the toilet to try a different position and nothing happened. Um, and went back to the bed. And then eventually, I think it took about two and a half hours. So we did just before that, the cord was kind of all shriveled by then. So we did cut the cord first just to let her be a little bit um, uh, Marty to hold her for a little while. And then the placenta did come out, which was a felt like a bit of a marathon, but also a relief. And yeah, we just were in our bedroom, we were able to hold our baby skin to skin. Um, amazing we midwives just cleaned everything up behind us how would, good is it oh my god I did not want to look back on that mess I'm really glad that so good <laughs> and, and you eating your crumpets and honey I hope yeah and then uh Amad was like what do you need I'm like I need those crumpets and honey <laughs> <laughs> I deserve them put my crown on please and give me those crumpets and honey <laughs> Uh, yeah which was amazing um yeah and I was I was very lucky like I did they did just check to see if I had any tearing I just had a tiny bit of grazing no tearing which I'm sure is because of I slowed that last bit down um but yeah I was really grateful for that but um yeah all in all I think my active labor was about eight hours or seven hours um and yeah, my recovery was was really good. I really tried to slow down and still really honor that rest, especially for that first week. And um, just doing like really gentle movements in my bed and very um, little bit of mobility work, a little bit of pelvic floor stuff, but really not much. Um, and it's just amazing how you let the body heal. It's just incredible seeing everything heal back afterwards. And um yeah, I mean, I'm still in my postpartum. My baby girl's only 11 weeks. Um, so we're um, still just gradually getting back into it. But, um, yeah, it's been really, my recovery has been really great so far. And, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> and I have loved listening to your birth story because not only is it a beautiful story, but obviously working as a nutritionist naturopath in like the pregnancy space, I obviously and Cappy overthink food constantly, right? And like that's what I'm guiding my clients yeah. around. It's just like the food and what to eat and having had my own pregnancies and births as well, that's my obsession, right? But never have I really thought much about the movement side of things. I did a little bit, right? Yeah. Like I did because I had my babies like the three under three I obviously knew I needed to look after my pelvic floor and do certain things in order to help my body achieve what I wanted to do in terms of our family planning but I mean I do like some physio exercises or I might go to like a Pilates class or you know I do little bits and pieces and then I'd go and get a physio like postpartum kind of pelvic mm. um, ultrasound and what have you but 
I honestly loved hearing about the way you moved through different stages of labor and your pregnancy, because these are not things that I've heard talked about, you know, like I haven't heard doing certain exercises at certain times of your labor or pregnancy. Of course, like we all know, but I feel like as well, often when we think about exercise and movement in pregnancy, you know, there's that fear with first trimester. And then you talked about having experienced a miscarriage. Like I I too have, and I remember having a fear of um, exercise because of that. And then, you know, and then come second and third trimester, I just never really thought much more. I just do it because that's what I did. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot of fear around it. I mean, and a lot of misconceptions as well. I can remember a in early in my first trimester, a yoga teacher saying like to me, don't jump because you could take the embryo off the wall of the uterus or something. You know, it was just really silly things that, you know, I just, (laughs) some of the things that, and, you know, I had my aunties like sending me messages every time they saw me with a weight being like, you're going to cause a miscarriage because you're holding weights and just really there's a lot of fear around it. And you're right, especially after having a miscarriage of like, why why did I, why did that happen? Did I go walk too rigorously or just things like that? And it's just when we know that there's so much research now that exercise really supports a healthy pregnancy and you can, no matter we're all going into our pregnancy with different levels of fitness as well. So I don't really think there's any hard and fast rules um, about it really depends on where you're at. Um, But there's also like, even if you have done no exercise before your pregnancy, there's always still something you can do to start. And um, you know, there's always, yeah, you just have to meet yourself where your level's at. So, you know, that moderate exercise or that sort of, 70% 70% intensity is going to be looked different for everybody as well. Um, and I think that's, yeah, I think when I started looking and just, I realized, you know, birth just happens. You probably could do nothing and you'll still be fine and have a beautiful birth or, you know, whatever was meant for you, but you can also do a lot to optimize your birth because labor can be a marathon. Like you don't know how many hours it's going to go for. And I think the more, well, just physiologically, the more you can be upright for your labor. So the stronger you are, the more upright you can be, the more pressure you're going to be putting on your cervix and you're probably going to help your labor time as well. So there is also things that you can do to help influence um, your labor as well, really positively. So, you know, a lot of us also go into our um, pregnancy doing a lot of uh, like we're really external rotated, especially as we start to grow a bump, it starts to drag us a little bit forward. So we end up being extended and kind of externally rotated as we walk, Um, which, you know, as I mentioned, is great for that initial stage of pregnancy where we want to be open and to help with that, um, the top of the outlet. But when we get to the pushing phase and that bottom, uh, getting the baby out at the very end, we actually need internal rotation to open the bottom of the pelvis. So doing um, any internal rotation work actually in most exercise programs is kind of non-existent, I would say, in a lot of programs. So being able to access that internal rotation of our hips as well can be really useful. Um, You know, some people don't need it, but then some people it does help kind of get that last little phase 
happening a little bit easier. I, I'm just blown away by all of this, Ange, because I, like a lot of people know who listen to the podcast, I'm pretty sedentary. You know, I don't have an exercise routine. I haven't really exercised since before I fell pregnant with Sunny. And, you know, that's coming up to three years ago. So I, I, I was, it gets overwhelming. And, you know, looking mm. at all those different stages and the exercises, I feel this should be a part of everyone's birth, you know, journey and their pregnancy to learn to support themselves and to have that idea around different exercises with different stages of um, even the birth journey. I just think that's incredible. You've blown my mind with this. Mm-hmm. And I, for someone like myself who is a bit sedentary, like where do you start? Like where's the starting point? Do you start in your preconception phase but then, you know, you get nervous that if you're starting something more rigorously, is that going to impact your chances of conceiving or do you do you start when you're pregnant? Or, or what does that look like for someone who isn't actively active? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So, I mean, in general at like the A-Life, what we sort of promote is a more of a movement lifestyle anyway. So getting out of this mindset that exercise has to be this thing where you have to drive there, it has to be an hour's workout and it's not exercise unless you're sweating and huffing and puffing and doing that sort of thing. And instead thinking about how can I create more movement in my life? How can I become less sedentary? So a more uh, and create more mobility. So maybe that's, you know, making sure you're going for a walk in the evening uh, after a meal or first thing in the morning, or maybe it's small little movement, like we call them movement snacks through the day. So, you know, when you've been sitting and finished a podcast, you get up out of your chair and you just do a couple of little exercises. Um, I think when we change our mindset from thinking that if we're not doing a 45 minute workout and the, and also that the goal is not um, to uh, shred or to lose weight or that, that it's not exercise for me, um, like uh, exercising during your pregnancy, it's not really about fitness. You're not really trying to make gains. Even like, I really recommend that everyone in their pregnancy does some sort of resistance training and strength training really because to strengthen those joints of the pelvis and help minimize pregnancy discomfort and things like that. See, so it's no longer about making gains. It's about supporting your birth and supporting your postpartum so that by the the end of your postpartum, you're feeling more recovered. You're feeling it's easier to get back into any of the activities you love and you can get into those back into those things quicker. Whereas if you don't do all of those things through your pregnancy, then it's just going to be so much harder on your body to do that in the postpartum as well. So it's just as much for as important moving in your pregnancy to feel comfortable in your body, to connect with your body more and check in with it more. Notice how you feel when we move. We we have more of a mind-body connection so that when you need to tap into that intuitive movement in your labor, it feels more effortless, I guess, but also so that your recovery is is better as well. So let's talk recovery. What you were saying about how exercise doesn't have to be an hour or doesn't have to be driving somewhere, that really resonates with me, particularly, I guess, having had my third and knowing she's my last, I'm very much about right now trying to get my body back not in the sense of how I look by any means but in the sense of feeling strong again and what have you and one thing I said to my husband I went to the gym and I was there for 10 minutes the other night 
He's like, oh, you're back already. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Right now, 10 minutes is better than nothing. He's like, awesome. So that has been, though, it's taken, Audrey is 11 months in literally like a week. And I'm only just getting to that point now of, you know what? 10 minutes is better than nothing, I guess. And if that's only happening three times a week, then great. But prior to now, I've had definitely big blocks around exercise, thinking it had to be this amount of time or what have you. So I guess with this postpartum period is what is in air quotations like an ideal time to sort of be getting back and what do you recommend to get the ball rolling again for postpartum? Yeah, so if you haven't done anything in your 10 months postpartum, it's never too late, firstly. You can start at any time. But also there is this myth that you need to wait for that six six-week checkup before you can do anything postpartum. And when we change our mindset, like I was talking about earlier from exercise to movement, you realize that from day day one, you can still move our body. We can still do gentle movements that don't really um, put too much strain on our body. So, you know, my first week of postpartum really looked like a few little mobility exercises and connecting to my pelvic floor on the bed like it was just a few minutes like that then it started to be um, a few more dedicated minutes at a time once a day for five to ten minutes Um, a couple of things that really helped me was I got my partner on board so I said to my hubby this is really important to me I need to dedicate a few minutes every day to my recovery you need to help me make that happen and I found just having that conversation really helped as well so he would be like help me if I got forgot or just let the day got away he would take halo and be like all right go go do your workout for 10 minutes go do your movement practice for 10 minutes and I would be like oh okay quick I've got to make the most of it because he's holding her and Um, I would just get it done that way. And I found also, it's really funny now that I've been through it, the tips that I have are very um, from my experience. Um, I found a few things like starting with your core work, especially in that early postpartum to doing the core stuff first um, is good because if your workout gets cut off early and your baby's crying and you need, at least you've done that part of your workout first. So I found that really helpful. Um, Also, if you are progressing, maybe you're past that, um, you know, 10 weeks or something like that, um, I would breastfeed before you start exercising because it feels so much better not having full breasts. (laughs) A a little tip from experience um, when you are working out and um, yeah, just really thinking of that, that same thing, that mindset of, just starting small, you really have to progress like you are completely starting again postpartum. So, you know, for me, I was doing barbell squats still up until my third trimester. But, you know, even now, like postpartum, it started with some really simple bridges and then some kneeling squats and then to body weight squats. And now I'm just adding weight. I'm not even at the barbell again yet, but it's really honoring that progression and also honoring how you feel at any point. If you don't feel your body will always tell you. So listening to your body during your workout. And I think I really learned practice that from moving in pregnancy. You know, there were some days in my third trimester, me and Marty would go to the gym and I would just be like, 
uh, doesn't feel good today. I'm just going to sit in the warm up area and I would just do a few stretches. But that element of surrender to and check also tuning into how your body feels, I really feel served me in my labor as well because your labor might not go to plan. And if you can let go of that ego of pushing and forcing, you know, through our, the whole fitness industry is all about like, no pain, no gain, pushing and forcing, but that you cannot push and force yourself in your labor. It's just to the labor of your dreams. It's just not going to happen. So having that element of surrender, starting practicing that early and through your postpartum is also going to serve you because your recovery, depending on, um, you know, what, how your labor went, what sort of happened, how did your, did you have any trauma that you needed? Maybe a C-section or, um, some sort of tearing, your recovery might take way longer than what you expected. So making sure that you are honoring that journey and just not being in a rush, there's plenty of time to, to get back into it. But I think being really consistent in like really small amounts is going to serve you better. So five minutes of core work a day rather than one half an hour session per week is going to serve you much better in making sure that that body is adapting back to um, how it was or moving into moving forward. Yeah. Incredible. And I feel like someone like myself, that's really easy to digest, you know, and that gets me excited to want to do exercise too, because, you know, a lot of women who I see in clinic to have prolapses and then there's all that to take into consideration. And maybe if we're doing a lot more work that is more strategic around what you were saying with opening and the closing of the pelvis and how that looks, maybe prolapses, and you might know more about this than myself, could could be avoided in some instances. Do you know much about that? Yeah, well, I mean, like anything that, and, you know, this was the whole thing I was saying, like any any of the work that you can do um, prenatal and even before is going to hopefully help your birth be less traumatic because it's going to help your birth adapt, help your body adapt better. Um, and if you, you know, the earlier you can work on your pelvic floor health, the, the better as well. So we want a strong pelvic floor, but we also want one that is going to relax and get out of the way for our uterus to do its work. So, um, it is really important that we, we do work on that preventative stuff before. And especially if maybe in a previous pregnancy, you've had a prolapse or you've had some sort of trauma from your pregnancy as well, um, that you do start earlier for your next pregnancy. It's always going to help. But um, yeah, there, there is so much you can do, but it's about um, listening to your body because in that postpartum phase, some of those exercises might not feel great and you just have to take your time and, and allow your body to um, be on its own timeline really. Mm. Well, Ange, I've loved this conversation because honestly, I just hadn't really thought about exercise, as I said, as in depth as what you have gone into it. So it's amazing. Can you tell us how our listeners can find you and more importantly, how our listeners can work with you? Because no doubt people will be lining up after hearing this episode. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah, so I actually did, um, as I moved through my trimesters, I filmed uh, a movement course. So in first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, and I'm currently filming the postnatal section as well. And it's really about 
strength training, mobility, and yoga as well. So it's about finding that balance of strength and also relaxation for our nervous system as well. Um, I The classes are very short and there's longer ones depending on how you feel. So you can do you. And there's also progressions as well, depending on what level mover you're at as well going into it. And yeah, so the course is called Moving Mama. It's actually going to be released. I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but it's going to be released next week. And um, uh, the pre- the postnatal will be released very soon as well. Um, but I mean, it's really conducive to what we actually teach to all our students at the A-Life. And it's really about moving for health as opposed to moving to look a certain way. So it's taking care of our joints, um, optimizing your joint health, working towards like skills and things like that, if there's anything you want to work towards. And also as we age, making sure that you are strength training and really keeping your muscle um, tone as we age as well to help um, minimize any injuries and make sure we feel as best we can in our body. So that's what we do at the A-Life. We have a couple of memberships called the A-Life Anywhere and Express, which is a 20-minute mobility routine that we offer for people who just want more movement. Um, And yeah, Moving Mama, which is coming out very soon. For our listeners, next week is the 5th of June because I too do not know when this is going to go out. Kathy and I haven't worked that out yet. So the 5th of June, that will be coming out. Awesome. Yeah. And can you find Movement Mama through the A-Life or is yeah. it a separate? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's just through the A-Life. So it's going to be, uh, we do have a lot of other courses that we offer, but yeah, Moving Mama will be specifically for, yeah, those in pre and postnatal. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. You've blown my mind and I I can't wait to potentially work with you in my next pregnancy. Amazing. (laughs) Yes, please. I'd love that. (laughs) All right, honey, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. That way we can continue to inspire and reach more mamas around the globe. If you would like to get in contact, request a guest or topic, then head to the No BS Approach to Motherhood Instagram page and send us a direct message. Otherwise, until next episode, stay sane, mama.